0: You don't want to think about it. You don't want to wrap your head around it. And that's one of the reasons why it makes such a good thread for horror. That was probably the most hated film we've shown. Oh, really? I think so. Yeah, people really... I thought there were good Uh. people were not going to come back, I think. So he's just the guy you cast when you need somebody who would (laughs) lock somebody in their shed, I guess. (laughs)
1: Fright Club is back with your election update special. Remember, <laughs> last time Last time we recorded, it was, it was the night before the election, it right? It was. And it almost took this long to sort it out. <laughs> but thank God. Looks like it has. And uh, hope you're happy. We're happy. And uh, we're back to talk about an interesting subject. We'll get to that in a bit. But uh, we want to talk about the response that we got after the election nonsense about our podcast on Voices in Horror. Last time, because I thought that was a fun one.
0: Yeah, it was. It was a fun topic. I'm glad that we thought of it. And I thought it came out pretty well. And um, we had a couple of people who would have put Christopher Lee at number one. We had him at number three. And then Seth, our friend Seth, felt like Vincent Price deserved at least a mention. Mm, That's a a great voice.
1: That is a great voice. That would have given me an excuse to play the rap from Thriller. I would have. I guess.
0: Um, But here's my my favorite tidbit from this was that Omar led us to a William Marshall film that we had never heard of called Demetrius and the Gladiators, which is Omar's mom's favorite William Marshall movie. Nice. He plays Glycon. And he gets off some excellent lines uh, as he steps in to protect Victor Mature, which was the second most interesting thing that I learned, which is that Victor Mature has a weirdly big Twitter base. (laughs) Nice.
1: I wonder why it's taken us this long to mention Victor Mature on this podcast. But I'm glad we got it done. I think you're burying the lead, though, because we got a—did we get a, a like and a retweet from one Mr. Tony Todd? We did! Oh, oh my
0: god, how have I forgotten on. that? Now, Tony Todd, I imagine I've mentioned this before, he follows us because I had a fucking coronary when I <laughs> saw that come up on my phone. We of course had obviously we'd long since followed him. We oh, followed yeah. him for a very long time. And then, you know, he's going through it three or four years later, he just decides to follow us back and yeah, I about I about nice. fell over. So anyway, he did. He liked and retweeted right. that podcast. So that so, was the coolest. That
1: is darn cool. We should get some little commemorative badge or something. Uh, I think we feel like we've earned it, but uh, no, that was good. So, Victor Mature uh, got, got a mention, so we're clicking that off. And, and thank you for pointing us out to that, uh, Omar, pointing us out to that movie that we haven't heard of. We'll have to look that up. Is it available anywhere?
0: I don't know. It is the sequel to The Robe. Oh,
1: really? Yeah. Oh, well, now, okay. My mom loved The Robe, and that was probably <laughs> my... Initiation to Victor Mature as a kid. So now, okay, now I'm starting to. I didn't know that there was a sequel to that.
0: He did the, the Schlocketeer. He responded to Omar's tweet, and that's that's something. If you get one over on the Schlocketeer. Well, he, he knows yeah. every obscure movie ever made.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, now now I feel a little bit more comfortable about it. Oh, and before I forget, we have we have to set the record straight on that little on that little story that I told last time. I, I think I got some facts wrong. We were talking about <laughs> Keith David, right? And we were talking about our old editor, Richard, at the paper. We told that story about how he made Keith David mad because he was set to interview him and he, he got the time zone wrong and called Keith David at the crack of dawn and it didn't start well. Well, I guess Richard <laughs> Richard heard the podcast and he chimed in and I,
0: I misremembered. He claims that it was Paula Poundstone, but <laughs> I still think, I think that, he he says he never re- um, interviewed Keith David, but I I see. I thought Keith David got mad at him because he wanted to talk about platoon. So I also, Is that why? I, okay. but he says he never even interviewed him. Well, so what? I don't know. We're both just hallucinating. Well,
1: you can't blame us because I'm sure that Paula Poundstone and Keith David get mixed up for each other <laughs> all the time. How can you blame us? But that's one of those deals where now, when I think back on things, I'm like, it seems like I'm really remembering it. <laughs> Because I really thought that was what happened. I truly did. But either way, it's a good story. And I think we should keep telling it.
0: Okay, let's do that. I I don't know, though, if we pointed out, Richard is actually the person who named our podcast. Right, he did. we should give him credit. He did. Because we're telling lies about him, and yet he was nice enough to give us the name Fright Club, which was a great name.
1: He came up with the name Fright Club, and it is. It's a fantastic name that people have tried to steal. (coughs) (laughs) But uh, we'll let that slide. (laughs) All right, thank you for all that. And we also had a few votes for some that, uh, oh, no, no, I'm looking ahead. I'm looking ahead to my notes here about some movies that didn't make this list. Correct. All right, so we're not there yet. We're talking about Last Time Out. So was that it?
0: The only other thing we wanted to say, we wanted to thank the UK Film Review Festival, yeah, because uh, they screened our short film Godspeed. They mm-hmm. had their festival last weekend, and they did a Q and A with us as filmmakers. Yeah, that and was fun. We have both done Q and As many, 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 many times over the years. Never the A part. At least not me. <laughs> now you've probably been interviewed for things before because you're semi famous, but I've never nobody's <laughs> ever interviewed me for anything. Um, and um and it was certainly both of our first QA as, as filmmakers. Yeah. And it was it was Chris Olsen led it. He was great. He said such great things about the short and just made me happy uh, again that that they had accepted the film into two yeah. and they
1: showed it. It was very nice. And actually I should thank all of you because I wasn't even gonna be taking part. I was set to watch it in another room. And then you just yelled at me to come in there, so I'm like, so that was that was unexpected fun. But yeah, thanks to everybody at the UK Film Review Festival, and they did a great job as well uh, on pulling it off virtually, just yes. as Nightmares Film Festival did. Yeah, we we got an up close look this year at how hard it is to do not only a virtual, just a festival in general. Yeah, yeah, and then to pivot like this. Uh, and have to rebrand it and and just start from the ground up probably and and in, in your planning and they did a great job too.
0: Yeah, they did. It was a, it was a great festival. We enjoyed so many of the films we got to see and uh, and uh, we're we're really thrilled to be a part of the program.
1: Okay, so now talk about pivoting. Uh, we're talking
0: about incest. Why? Yeah. <laughs> That's a good question. Um, you know, uh, we we talked uh, uh, like a month or so ago, two months ago, about grief in horror, which was another topic that I've always wanted to cover because I think that horror covers it in a way, um, weirdly, better than other types of, of genres yeah. of films do. But it doesn't sound like a fun time, you know? But it was a great... Podcast. I thought it was a great podcast. Yeah. Um, you know, I also think that rape, in particular rape and revenge, there's an entire sort of arm of of horror that really just depicts that. And, and again, True. It's it's not a fun topic, but we will eventually do that topic mm-hmm. on this podcast because there are so many movies to talk about. So incest is just one of those areas that is so horrible. That you don't want to think about it. You don't want to wrap your head around it. And that's one of the reasons why it makes such a good thread for horror. Well, I
1: know we have brought it up several times when we've talked about the fact that we can't use theme songs anymore. You know, back in the day when we started this, we used to do theme songs. Yeah, we did. And you would just throw them out there and just like you can put together a topic so quickly, I had a theme song so you just said incest and I started singing We Are Family. That's I mean, it was right. perfect. Yeah, was. So we've used that joke a few times. Uh, but we've never actually gotten to the subject. And now we do. So the little bit here on the notes that I was looking at, uh, got ahead of myself, were some of the also-rans that didn't make it into the final list. Although we do have, I should say, we do have... Math that is fuzzy.
0: We do have fuzzy uh, math
1: this week, so we have a top six, top five. But uh, before that, we've got a few here that are
0: are worth a mention. I think so. So Angel Heart. You mm-hmm. know what? As I say Angel Heart out loud, I should point out in a couple of instances they are going to be spoilers. The yes, fact one, we're
1: yeah. l- in particular, yeah, yeah, that which a lot you know what to be can, honest, are with probably right? already thinking
0: that's another reason why we have put this list off for so long because there is no way to do this <laughs> list without that movie. Yeah, and uh, and there's no way to talk about that movie. Without letting this spoil it. So we should just yeah, let you know in advance. I'm sure
1: longtime Fright Clevers already know what we're talking yeah. about. but uh, Yeah, but Angel we'll Heart,
0: go. you know, Angel Heart has that as a thread. And that's a great movie. I love that movie. Uh, the original Crazies, that's yeah. when you start to see people go crazy mm-hmm. and do things. And there's this very, very uncomfortable scene with the father and a daughter. Oh, and that. yeah. 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 Um, Pin, speaking of uncomfortable, that is an underseen gem of a movie. That is the weirdest Movie, it's so bizarre, and is, it's really about is a Victor Mature in it. No, uh, it's about a brother and sister who have a strange preoccupation with the anatomically correct doll their doctor father has in his office. His head nurse is also very preoccupied with that doll. It's a super, super, super weird movie, but what comes down to is the brother is turning crazy between his fixation with Pin that's the name of the doll. And his interest in his sister. Hey! And so it's just such a bizarre film. And not... Great, but really, seek it out. It's mm-hmm. so weird. Crimson Peak, another. That's a del Toro movie that I expected to be better than it was. You know what?
1: It may not be on this list, but it is number one all time on the list of movies that you spoiled for people. Oh, my God.
0: Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> people groaned at you. I just, we and were, I didn't mean to. We I just spit mi- we, it out. Yeah, we were in front of the crowd. I forget what movie we were showing, but it was a live event, and it must have been just after that movie came yeah. out. And I forget what came what what the question was or what somebody said and you just said it right there.
0: <laughs> and I I just as I heard myself say it, I thought no one's seen this movie yet. I mean it was it was like you know, I, it was like the weekend it came out. It's like oh yeah, I did. I wrecked that one for a lot of people. But it's not very good. Another one that is good that not a lot of people have seen, Jug Face. Jug
1: face, yeah. Always, always nice to be able to mention Jug Face.
0: Yeah, it's one of those backwoods sort of cult things that is is very much well worth checking out. And then another two, both of which we have actually shown before. One is We Are the Flesh. See,
1: I'm looking down at this list and I'm thinking in my head, where is We Are the Flesh? (laughs) And I'm ready to just spring it on you. I'm ready to lower that boom and there you go. You just cut cut me off of the knees. And then the other
0: one, So We Are the Flesh. That's, that's that's pretty out and proud. Ooh, it is. Yeah, there's there's no getting around it. It's not metaphorical. No. Um, that was probably the most hated film we've shown. Oh, really? I think so. Yeah. People really... I thought there were... Fr- good oh. people were not going to come back, I think. Good people. They were not happy. And then the other one that is a little bit more uh, subtle, though, uh, We Are What We Are. Oh, yeah. Which is mainly a cannibalism film. But, yeah. Yeah. There is definitely a... Oh, yeah, it sure is. Yeah, yeah. Some,
1: Love that movie, too. Oh,
0: that's a great one.
1: Yeah, I mean, both versions, but the original right. Spanish-language version right. is, is the best. But the uh, the English-language version is good, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, okay, those are all good. Also, Rance, I guess, bubbling under right. the top six, top five. So, let's get into it. And this is one that... Oh, we showed this. We did. Yeah, we showed this at Fright Club sometime recently. Now I'm starting to, to forget since we haven't, I know, been, haven't I been back on a regular basis. But uh, this is from originally 2012. It's Reg and Lindsay running an organic fertilizer business. They need a fresh supply of their secret ingredient to process through the meat grinder. Reg comes across two guys and a girl with a broken down vehicle on their way to a music festival, and hijinks ensue in 100 Bloody Acres.
0: If Charlie Wick wants a New Blend, he's going to get New Blend. We all on a lot of them now. No one's going to be hop on no one. You're not a bad person. You're a good
1: person who's just done some bad things. Yeah, he's holding for a marshal out here, boys. You're on a hundred bloody acres.
0: Lady Dare are you psycho! We're not psychos, all right? We're small business operators. I'll
1: be honest with you. When you had this on the list, I had to search my mind a little bit to think, what does that qualify and it's not one that, that jumped to my mind, but I enjoyed it. And I think when we showed it, our crowd enjoyed it because it was even more of a comedy than I expected. And I think it was more of a comedy when, than the filmmakers Thought they were going to make, but as it as the production went long, they just started writing more jokes.
0: Right, it, you know it is one of those, and it's funny uh, that you say that because it's a movie that I recommended to my sister and her husband, and we we're recommend <laughs> we recommend a lot of <laughs> horror films, and the title "A Hundred Bloody Acres" they're right. like no, and I'm right. like no no no, it's New Zealand. It's actually Australian, but I confuse the two sometimes. <laughs> and um it's uh it's it is, it's really funny. It's the only one on the list that uses incest as a, a comic device, although you can find a lot of films that do that. And it's uh Aunt Nancy. So the two brothers they run this uh this fertilizer plant together. The one of them is a little closer to Aunt Nancy than the other one yeah. is. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. I mean, it's it's so that's a that's a comedic element. But the whole movie is just full of really funny bits. Yeah.
1: And actually, the film's co-director Colin Carnes, said that they originally they started out they wanted to just go full Texas Chainsaw Massacre, just blood all over the place, and and be real uh, solidly horror about it. But then they said as they were writing it, they found they found themselves just writing more jokes, and they couldn't help themselves. They just went with it. <laughs>
0: And it it works. Oh, it really does. The delivery is great. There's this whole funny sort of meandering side plot about getting high. And you know (laughs) what? If you really want to save yourself and your friends from certain doom, don't get high first. No. That's never a good plan.
1: No, you just get kind of lazy and want to sit down somewhere, somewhere comfy. And I love the tagline. They're not psycho killers. They're just small business operators. (laughs) (laughs) So 100 bloody acres. Uh, from 2012, what was that? When when we showed it, what was our topic that night? It wasn't incest, I know. Farming. Farming, of course. Yeah, that's that's the one that jumps to mind for 100 bloody acres. Uh, so if that's not on your radar, slip through the cracks, look that up. Uh, originally from 2012, and number six on our list of incest horror. And moving up to number five, this is one that's been on maybe more lists than. Well, there are two on here that have got to be one and two or tied. <laughs> For being included on the most list, but you know what? That's all right. It's good reason. When a successful country lawyer captures and attempts to civilize the last remaining member of a violent clan that has roamed the northeast coast for decades, he puts the lives of his family in jeopardy. The woman. This is our project, and it's a secret.
0: What are we gonna do with her?
1: We're gonna help her. We're gonna train her. Civilize her. Free her from herself, from her baser instincts. Do you really think we should be doing this?
0: Do we really get to keep her? We do. I find it funny that the synopsis for that film focuses on Chris Cleek. On the patriarch of the family, I try to find different ones. <laughs> yeah. you know? it's, it's just a fun. I <laughs> like it. I it's a funny idea because um, because you know there's a bizarro world way of looking at this where he is the hero, right? I mean, he isn't. He is the villain. But the way Lucky McKee uh, cast this, the atmosphere is one of those sort of perfect families with right. all of this going on beneath. But what he has going on beneath is so much worse than what you were imagining.
1: And we should say how great Sean Bridgers is. Oh God, he's so good. As as Chris Cleek. I mean, talk about punchable faces.
0: <laughs> That's a list.
1: Yeah, that is a list. And he's got one in this movie because and he's just, you know, giving you that little smile. And it is the subversive humor. As brutal as this film is. The subversive humor just gets me. And I was talking about dark humor a lot this week, defending my my recommendation of the film Fat Man. I just, I love dark humor. Yeah. And, and even, you know, dark subversive humor. And this film has it. You were just talking about the nuclear family. Oh, just yeah. digging into it with this brutal story of this woman they have
0: captured and, and chained up. Right. And that's not even where the incest comes in. Right. You know, um, y- you got to wonder uh, how the... Dogs in the barn, how they came about, what's going on there. Uh, you know there's a lot of questions being unanswered, but you know at the center of it is poor Peggy, who is pregnant and uh, and that's you know just one of many of the internal family dysfunctions, like, beneath the surface of this incredibly sunshiny, you know, mm-hmm. bacon cookies and, and you know, learning to civilize this woman in the barn. I mean, the movie is so, so, so dark that it almost feels like it itself is satirizing all of those you know, beneath the surfaces, these you know, because it, it, it's just like, oh no, we're going, that's the thing, and I've, I've said this before, we reviewed this movie for the newspaper back when people would send you, instead of links, they would send you DVDs. And instead of coming in like a plastic case, the DVD for the woman came in a bar- vomit bag. <laughs> that's
1: a good sign. It is. Usually that's a good sign.
0: And I think this is the longest we've ever gone about talking about this movie without mentioning the glorious Pollyanna McIntosh. I was, I'll was. i tell you, we we have a lot in common,
1: I think. Have you ever <laughs> noticed that? I was just going to say that because normally you're
0: right out there with Pollyanna McIntosh, boom, because she's great in this. She's amazing. Yeah. Just unbelievable. I mean, it's it is it's a very difficult film to watch. If you if you're a listener of this podcast for any length of time at all, you know that I love this movie so much. And in fact, it was the whole reason we started the live event. Was this was the the first movie? I'm like, oh, we want to show that. It's not the first movie we got to show because it was difficult it to took get. Wow, yeah, it did. But this was the movie that inspired Fright Club Live. And I really enjoyed the conversation
1: mainly listening to it when we did years ago, when we did feminist horror and this was included on that. And a lot of people maybe on a superficial level, level might go what? Right. But the, how you and our guest that, that uh, time, uh, Melissa Starker got into it and, and deconstructed it as, as feminist, which I totally agreed with. Um, I loved it.
0: Oh yeah, it is. It, yeah, it's a great movie for a lot of different reasons. And, uh, um, and really, you know, the the incest is, were it not because that Peggy and her situation wind up being sort of a driving fo- force in the film, yeah. it would just be one of the other horrible things that are going on in this house. Uh, but because it is pretty pivotal to the plot, it, it and because I like to talk about the woman and we haven't for a minute, it's on the list. And am I am I misremembering? Uh, the, uh,
1: the actress here is also in Jug Face. Yes. Is she not?
0: Yes, she is. Lauren, Lauren
1: Ashley Carter. Yeah. Yeah. She plays Peggy. And I, cause when you said Jugface, I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. Doesn't share an actor? Yeah, I knew she was in that. So uh, the woman. Yeah. On so many. Chris li-
0: Cleek is in it, too. He's in Jugface. He too? is. Wow. Sean Bridgers is also yeah. in
1: Jugface. Yeah. You know, he shows up in so many things.
0: You know, I can't tell you how many times. Well, he's in the movie room. So he's just the guy you cast when you need somebody who would lock somebody <laughs> in their shed, I guess. <laughs>
1: That's a niche, and he is really exploring it. Uh, But The Woman, yeah, from 2011, certainly one of our favorites, and uh, number five on this list of incest in horror. Moving up to number four, and this is, boy, this is an uncomfortable film for a lot of reasons. Uh, This is from 1993. It centers on Bubby, who has spent 30 years trapped in the same small room, tricked by his mother, and one day he manages to escape, and deranged and naive in equal measure... His adventure into the modern and nihilistic life begins. Bad Boy Bubby. Bad Boy Bubby
0: went on a voyage of discovery. And the world he confronted was funny. Get off the road, you fucking bastard Tragic. Loving. And hateful. Oh, shit, Honest. Cat. ...and hypocritical. God doesn't like fat people.
1: And totally unlike any you've ever seen hey, before. Way, Bad boy puppy. All he needs is love.
0: I think the first thing to point out when you talk about this movie... Because a lot of people haven't seen it. It's pretty underseen. And I think a lot of people, you know, when they listen to this podcast, they'll think to themselves, oh, this is a recommendation. I should go watch this movie. (laughs) Um, And, you know, I think that this is an incredibly interesting, fascinating, well-made movie with one of the best performances really ever. But you need to know that there is a, a cat that dies during the course of the movie. And in fact, they kill the cat. It is, it is, it, it in fact happens. So I know that's for many, many people, maybe most people, reason enough not to see it, which I completely understand. Yeah, and
1: if you can look it up and you can find, there is, there is a citation that says the movie, the, the cat that was killed in the movie was killed humanely by a vet and not suffocated. As it is As in the, the movie, So, yeah, but still, that's going to be yeah. uncomfortable yes. for a lot of people. And,
0: you know, and for a lot of people, unnecessary. Yeah. I mean, it yeah. doesn't... It, like, even if you needed that to happen in the film, why why did it have to right. be a real... So, so I, anybody.
1: I understand why you want to put that out there for anybody that hasn't seen it. But it's a fascinating movie for a lot of different reasons. The The lead performance is crazy good. And the way it looks, okay. there were...
0: Yeah, Nicholas Hope. He's Nick, he yeah. is. Yeah,
1: yeah, unbelievably good in this movie. Yeah.
0: Just amazing.
1: Because you think about his character, he has that's the whole the whole setup. He's been in this room for three decades. Now he's coming out into the world, and what are going to be his expectations about how the world is? It's fascinating. And they used over thirty different um, directors of photography uh, to give a new place that Bubby went. To give the film more of an experimental feel and and limit and uh, take away the worry of always having to have the same crew on set every day, but every place he goes is a new world to him, yeah. so it has a new look. I, right. I
0: I love that idea. It is a great idea. Yeah, it's uh it's writer director Ralph Dehear, D E Hear Ralph Dehear, and um it is such a fast. It is a really experimental film. I mean, it absolutely is, and it turns into almost like a, a punk rock show, which is fascinating mm-hmm. too. And and uh, and you know. It, it's so, there is something completely surreal and yet weirdly authentic about everything that happens in the movie. And um, and because he, Bubby, is so innocent, you, you can't, you just don't. You don't hold it against him, the horrible things that he does, and you cannot help but root for him. Um, and yeah, it's, which is really
1: unexpected. <laughs> it is. Um, and
0: yeah. it's, you know, at times very funny, and you almost want to stop yourself from laughing yeah it is an absolutely bizarre bizarre movie
1: it is and you can only guess when i say that he was in the same room for 30 years how how incest worked it's what works its way into this movie if you haven't seen it you can probably guess
0: yeah and and it's not pleasant as um it's not meant to be uh but i mean the movie is a train wreck in the best possible sense
1: yeah and it really feels experimental but uh a good experiment. And it feels like you're watching something that really you haven't you haven't seen before. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's really worth checking out. But again, fair warning about the cat. Uh Bad Boy Bubby from 1993, number four on our list of incest horror. Up to number three. This is a classic. This is another one that has been on many a list for Fright Club. It is the story of Henry, a drifter, committing a series of brutal murders, supposedly operating with impunity. Henry, portrait of a serial killer from nineteen eighty-six. <laughs>
0: You telling me you never killed anybody before. I ain't say that. Open your eyes, on it. Look at the world. It's either you or them. You know what I mean? Number one thing I have to say about this movie is that. I just learned that director John McNaughton has in pre-production a film based on Flannery O'Connor's "A Good Man Is Hard to Find." You're kidding? I'm, no, I'm not. Which wow. is and my favorite writer of bleak. all time, Flannery O'Connor, and that is my either top number one or number two favorite short story wow. of all time. That is the bleakest story, and Michael Rooker is uh, in the cast. Is the of, only person yet listed in the cast? And Holy how bleak moment. is? The film going to be the guy who's writing the adaptation is the guy who wrote the Passion of the Christ. So wow, potentially brutal. Anyway, I am giddy. I uh, yeah, I did not. You just found out today. I just when I was looking up, uh yeah, I was looking that up. That uh, is amazing. The
1: year that this came out. Now see, that's going to be another in, uh, instance of how well you can flesh out something short.
0: It is pretty short too.
1: Into, into a feature film. Yeah. Wow, uh, I'm fascinated by that. But uh, yeah, we have talked about Henry for uh, many different reasons and talk about feeling experimental. I, I, I'm trying to put myself in the head of of watching this when it first came out. Right. Talk about feeling like, boy, that's something I've never seen. You know, I bet people at some point thought they were watching a snuff film or something. Well, it was so
0: raw, especially in 1986, because yeah. when it came out, it was supposed to be a slasher. You know, it was supposed to be a serial killer slasher type film, which right. is absolutely the opposite of what right. you get. You know, and there's no it's so morally bankrupt, morally bleak. You're so used to watching the protagonists, the leads, if they're not the heroes they're the antiheroes. And there's some reason you can at least hope that eventually they're going to. But he's never going to see the right thing. You know what I mean? It's a and so that it it's so, I think, subversive the way McNaughton develops this this like workaday camaraderie between these two villainous men and because you're watching and participating it's almost like you're part of that community so unlike when say Tarantino develops these hitmen they do terrible things and yet he he's showing you sort of this cool side of them but you can find something worthwhile in those men in tarantino films there's nothing worthwhile in these men
1: yeah and as a lot of people know a lot of it was based on serial killer henry lee lucas in fact they really patterned some of the murders in this movie after the facts of actual murders that henry lee Lee lucas committed but yeah even though it's credited as 1986 it didn't get released until 1989 which we've talked about before and like you said, it was supposed to be a slasher because the producers, after they got McNaughton on board, just they just kind of walked away and said, "Just do a, you know, do a slasher movie, do a horror movie." And everybody thinks that's an easy way to get profitable, right? right? Uh, and then he got this, and they turned it in, and had he turned it in, and they had no idea what to do with right. it because it was so anti of what they were looking for. Right?
0: It was. It's the opposite. It really is. Michael Rooker is is just. Perfection yeah. in this role. But Tom Tolls plays Otis. And one of the things that I think is so unnervingly brilliant about this movie is the way the film changes direction, changes trajectory when Otis crosses a line. And yeah. you've already seen what they've done together yeah. and how Henry is like, oh, you're telling me you've never killed a man? Well, I haven't said that. You know what I mean? Where it's like he's he's goading him into doing more and more horrific things just nonchalantly as if I can't believe you've not done that. But when Otis gets horny with his own sister, mm-hmm. well, that's it. The, the line is drawn. Otis has to die. It is so... Fascinating to me, the yeah. way the film sets up this environment where he's got a line, yeah,
1: yeah, because otherwise, and especially in the ending uh um, oh yeah there there yeah, there are no lines to his to his depravity, but right there he thought that that uh yeah otis crossed one it it is fascinating, and McNaughton has said, going back to henry Lee Lucas uh, that when he knew his his assignment basically from these producers was to to uh, write and come up with a horror movie, he didn't really know what he was going to write about but he, he saw an episode of the show 2020 which was about Henry Lee Lucas and that which has got him inspired to to get on the trail of writing this and wow. it, yeah it's um it's one that we've we've come back to many times and one still today just has such a just a primal
0: nastiness yeah it does it does it. and you know and it's and it's one of those movies where the end will kill you oh
1: but it had to be that it way. It did. What do you want him to do, learn something? No. 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 It had yeah. to be that way. And it's so just, just punch in the gut. But uh, still holds up today. Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer from 1986 or 1989. Uh, <laughs> then number three. Moving up to number two on our list of incest horror. This is the other one I was talked about that's in the running for most most mentions, I think. Uh, this is from 2009 when Brent turns down his classmate Lola's invitation to the prom. She concocts a wildly violent plan for revenge. The loved ones.
0: Will you go to the dance with me? Sorry, Lola. I'm going with Holly. I'm going to stab Holly in the heart, just like you did to me.
1: Ah! How many times do we just say to each other, hey, bright eyes, bright eyes eyes," and the bad Australian accent? (laughs) This is no doubt one of your favorites. I mean, I I like it, but I get I think I get wrongly accused of not liking it simply because I don't worship it.
0: Yeah, I do. I love I love everything about this movie. Um, And it's another one where I've tried not to talk about it for a while because (laughs) because it's true. I bring it up often. But we, we showed it. It's one of the rare films we have actually shown twice because we showed it at the first theater. Studio 35, when we very first kicked it off. And yeah. then and then um, years later at Gateway, our home at Gateway, we showed it again. And it is a crowd pleaser because not a lot of people have seen it and because it's just so weird. yeah It's got a bit of a... A com- well it does it has a, a a stream of
1: a thread of comedy running through it it does not only through the main characters but through that side plot of oh, the yeah. goth girl yep
0: absolutely it does and it has a real thread of grief running oh, through yeah. it yeah. um and and they all actually tie together uh in Lola's basement and one of the things <laughs> that so I mean there are so many different Parts of this movie that, that, you know, deserve attention and sort of deconstruction and study. But the reason it's on this podcast is because of the utterly bizarre relationship between Lola and Daddy. Yeah, yeah. And you
1: know, our favorite from Wolf Creek, John Jarrett turned down the role of Daddy Oh, to avoid typecasting. Wow. Love me some John Jarrett. That would have been something. Uh, and uh, props to Robin McLeavy. Oh, she's so good. Who plays uh, Lola? And then remember the uh, the guy who plays her crush, Brent. Yeah, Xavier Samuel. Remember when we saw what was the? It was the adaptation of um, Love and Friendship. Love and Friendship. Which, which Stillman's yeah. is great. Yeah, is great. By the way. And we kept seeing this guy, this face. I know that guy. Who's that guy? Yeah. And it's him from the loved ones, <laughs> and he
0: looks totally different. Oh yeah. And of course,
1: he's playing a totally different type of role. And I, when it hit me, I'm like, "You gotta be kidding."
0: Yes. Well, but, he doesn't have a drill hole in the front of his head, and right, so that throws right. You. And that after, throws you and, right, and that throws you right there. Of course, there. after
1: that happens to his character, he doesn't really speak a lot. No. For obvious reasons. But this gets it gets this gets wild, and it's so it's so pop cultural. It's so splashed with color yes and and music yes and it's just it seems stamped in time oh my and god and that
0: song it'll be in your head for days not
1: pretty enough casey chambers
0: <laughs> yeah it is it is casey chambers it is right? casey yeah. chambers
1: uh, yeah it's it's fascinating and in a weird way as as fun as a movie with
0: this type of subject matter can be. It's fun. It is fun. But it's so disturbing and it's so uncomfortable. And a lot of what makes you uncomfortable, well, there's a lot of physical reasons to be uncomfortable by this film. <laughs> um, but Lola's relationship with her dad is so troubling. Uh, she seems ready to move to the next level with her dad. And mm. he seems to be longing, but taking a step backwards. And the whole <laughs> thing is so... But she's the princess. She's his princess. And she is... And he's got a great big pink crown for her. It is so uncomfortable. And it's such a weird balance between the outright grisly carnage that is going on um, in other parts of the house. And then what that sort of weird relationship between the father and the daughter is leading to at the table. I mean, it's it's such a a subversive idea, image of this pampered, spoiled daughter Mm -hmm. that I just loved it. And,
1: you know, without giving too much away, you can't technically... Technically, you cannot call Lola a serial killer here. She doesn't kill enough people okay. to be branded in. Now, she does some other things. Well, here's the thing. We don't know how many of
0: those people down that basement are dead.
1: <laughs> just in the course of what we know. Okay. You can't specifically. You can call her a nutso. You yeah. can call her a psycho. But um, just call her Lola, L-O-L-A. The loved <laughs> ones, number two on her incest list, bright eyes. From 2009. Moving it up to number one, and this is the one that uh, is going to be a spoiler, a big spoiler, just for having it on this list. But I guess we give fair warning, and a lot of people have already guessed it, probably. After being kidnapped and imprisoned for 15 years, Odesu Su is released, only to find that he must find his captor in five days. 2003, the original Old Boy. <laughs>
0: Many masterpieces that Chanmook Park have, right? Handmaiden, Stoker, Thirst, Lady Vengeance, Sympathy for Mister Vengeance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but and this is Old Boy at the top.
1: <sighs> probably, probably. Uh, it, yeah, uh, I, I think so. It's uh, it's it's amazing for a diff- it, it gets attention for so many different reasons. Of case in case you've got the bomb that drops here. That is what we're talking about. Um, and then you've got that, of course, that corridor scene. That might have been one of the first things I heard about in the movie. The the corridor scene uh, that is done. The action there is insane. It is insane. It's
0: absolutely glorious. The first thing I heard about was um, the dental work. Okay. And then yeah. the other thing I heard about was the tongue.
1: Yeah. So yeah. there's a
0: there's a, definitely an oral fixation in this film. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it's it's
1: fascinating. And as as it goes along, the way the plot and story develops, on one hand, it's very pulpy, and it should feel less, it, sh- it should feel more eye-rolling than it does. Oh, yeah. Now, it does in the sequel, which we won't talk, not the sequel, it does in the remake. remake. It doesn't here. Yeah. And I think that's a, a testament to h- how well he constructs the, the movie and how how well everything is layered, because when you think about it, if you just told somebody all the happenings,
0: it would feel like, oh, really? Yeah. That's going to happen? Right. Yeah, no, I think you're exa- you're exactly right. And one of the things that he does so well is balancing one thing off something else. So, for example, Sik Choi, I'd also would just like to thank him for introducing us to the <laughs> just glorious <laughs> God Minsik that is Sik Choi. I love him so much. Man can take a beating. He can take a beating, and he's such a disheveled, like it wild is. man, it you is. know. And so, and so that is juxtaposed with. The nemesis, played by Jai Tai Yu, who's very elegant and very. quiet yeah. and just sort of, you know, the opposite, the visual opposite, the sort of his personality is the opposite. And yet what he's trying to prove is that, to a certain degree, they are the same. And why is that? Because the reason he hates Minsick Choi's character is because he was having an affair with his sister right. and she out and, and uh, old boy outed him. Mm-hmm. And so he's constructed this entire bizarre, he could Ooh. also be a great sort of planner. Uh, oh. He's constructed this entire bizarre, extreme revenge, you know, um, just based on this piece of unhappiness that Old Boy has caused him. And it's, and th- that he's going to cause Old Boy. And he does.
1: Mm-hmm. And actually, the name, the, the, the character's name, Dae Soo O, in Korean is actually read O oh, Dae Soo. And that name originates from Oedipus, uh, which is, okay. makes, sure. makes total sense, the way this plays out. Yeah, it's brutal and it's it's crazy that like we talked about that corridor scene where you, all of a sudden you get this sequence of action that is amazing. Oh
0: yeah, it's ma- just amazingly
1: shot and it's brutal. And then it leads to that to that reveal about what the, oh, yeah. the uh, what the plan, what the revenge plan has been all these years. You're like,
0: what? Oh yeah.
1: And then of course the tongue and yeah, you know, it's when when uh he's totally at his mercy uh it's it's amazing it's an amazing uh, experience even now uh, even if you know what's what's coming and hopefully we haven't spoiled it for anybody but even if you even if you do know what's coming it's still 100% worth it
0: oh well again i mean how many times have we seen it yeah, i love it a every lot, time a lot. and of course we know now what's going to happen yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah uh definitely an experience like you said chenwook park pretty much just see see everything
0: he has a tv show Little Drummer Girl, which we haven't seen, mm-hmm. and Francis Pugue stars. So we're going to have to find that. What's that on? What network is that on? I don't know. Oh. Wow. how yeah. do I, I don't know these things. Miss that.
1: We're not talking about TV. Talking about movies, talking about our list of top six in incest horror. And there you go. So what do you think? What did we miss? Let us know. It's easy to easy way to keep the conversation going. It's on Twitter. You can find us at Fright Club Pod. And we love to keep talking. Love all your comments. As well, and uh, we expect some, expect some good ones here as we look forward to. Well, unfortunately, as we are talking about this, our home away from home, the Gateway Film Center, has had to do another, do another pause yes. in service, hopefully for not long. So we have no plans to be back anytime soon in front of the crowd, but uh, I'm sure we'll do another Stream Yard. Yeah. Uh, because those are fun. They are fun. We'll have to get one of those together and uh, do a, real, something real. Interactive, but uh, until then, what other topics are on the horizon? Do we have well,
0: any? yes, the the next one that we're going to record is with Corey Matcalf oh. uh, from the Rewatch Podcast, and we are going to talk about planners, psychotic planners. Okay, uh, and uh, and then the next one would be, which could we could do it live, the best horror of twenty twenty. Oh
1: man, yeah, that's a good one to do to do live. Yeah, I can't believe we're t- going to be talking about that already, but yeah, check the calendar. We will be. Best horror of 2020, and there's some good ones in there for sure. So yeah, get in touch if you can. Um, it's always good to hear from me. You can also find us uh, in addition to Twitter. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. It is Mad Wolf Columbus in the main website where you can find all of our written reviews to all the new releases, uh, both in theaters when we can do that and in home streaming. Is it MadWolf.com. dot uh, You can also find our other our weekly podcast, the Screening Room. Which covers all the new releases. Find it there on the main website as well. So fun stuff! This was, yeah, as fun as incest could be. This was it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so good list. And we look forward to uh, hearing from you next time.
0: And while you're here, if you would just take a minute and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast, we'd appreciate it.
1: Ooh, that would be fun. So, until next time, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, and this is the Fright Club podcast. Hi, this is Ben Young, director of Hounds of Love. Stay from frightful, my friend.